Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Praise the Lord. My name is Joe, and welcome to Scripture Unleashed. I'm here with Anthony. Hey. Jacob. Hello. And Seth. Hey. Scripture Unleashed is a podcast where we follow through the bread reading program that's set out by the UPC Children's Ministry, and whereas you read through the Bible in a year. And in this episode, we're going to be going through 1 Samuel 13 through 31 and Psalms chapter 55 through 57. Please remember that if your pastor teaches on topics uh, that we discuss today, he teaches things differently than, than what we talk about. Um, just remember who your pastor is. We are not your pastor. And um, so keep that in mind as we go through this. Today, we are going to talk about Saul, King Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 13. David, Jacob, could you start us off there? Yeah. Uh, so right here in the beginning of 1 Samuel 13, we see actually the continuation of what uh, Samuel had prophesied to Saul when he first was anointed uh, king of Israel, how uh, there was a progression of things that he was going to see uh, come to pass. And we see here the beginning of that final thing. He was to go to Gilgal. He was to wait uh, for Samuel. Uh, he was about to go into battle. And he waits the seven days. He remembers to wait those seven days, but he fails to hold steady. He was told by Samuel, you know, you have to wait seven days. Once you get to Gilgal, I'll come there. I'll do the sacrifice. And Saul, he does. He waits those seven days. Samuel's about an hour or two late to what he was expecting him to be there at. You know, Saul begins to see all of his people go away. You know, they're like, okay, Samuel's not coming, so we're just going to go home, basically. And because of that, he takes it upon himself as he says he forces himself as he tells Samuel to uh, sacrifice to the Lord and it's it's one thing to to really note that you know when when our God shows us something or tells us something we need to hold to it you know when he says hey in seven years I'm gonna do this and it's seven years in one day be like okay well God said seven years you know or seven years in one minute you feel like, you know, oh, is, he's not quite doing it. It's just like, just wait. Right. True. No. That's very right. You know, like Abraham come to mind immediately. You know, God told yeah. him he had a promised yeah. child coming and he forced his hand. Kind of the yeah. same with Saul. He kind of forces yes. his hand. In, and it, that's never the will of God. Just no. to hang on to the promise of God. Just do it. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. What's interesting is God was very displeased with, um, with Saul because of that. But Saul, and, you know, we have to understand that, that Saul was under extreme pressure here because the Bible says that right. the people began to disassemble. And, um, you know, he was he was under some, some pressure here as a leader. He felt like, I got to do something. I got to do something here. And, yeah. and he did. But also, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, when... When um, Saul is commissioned to go destroy the Amalekites, he is told to to kill everybody and everything. But if you look at 
what Saul did, he kept some of their sheep and cattle, some of the best of their their herds. He kept them back, um, and he didn't kill everything. And when Samuel showed up on the scene, uh, Saul's like, "Hey, look at this! I, you know, I fulfilled the word of the Lord. I did did everything I was told to do." And, and Samuel mm. goes, "You know, why do I hear cattle? Why do I hear sheep?" And Saul's like, "Oh, I held those back. We're gonna, we're gonna um, sacrifice these to the Lord." Well, that wasn't what God had said to do. You know, Samuel kind of, you know, he was maybe he's like, "This is what makes the most sense," and he's the leader here, so so he can do this. But that wasn't what God had said to do. And so, as a leader, mm-hmm. sometimes Saul stepped outside of his. He stepped outside of the word of God, and this is what this is what um, got Saul unanointed as the king. So Saul obviously was the king at this point, but this is what um, this is where God said, "I'm gonna get a new king now," because Saul yeah. cannot yeah. keep my commandments. Saul Saul can't uh, keep my word. Yeah, yeah, absolutely robbed his legacy. Right. Um, you see this a lot, actually, with just people living for God. A lot of times they'll already make up their mind, because I think Saul already knew he was going to try to please the people, you know, right mm-hmm. before the onset happened. But you see this a lot, even our day and age, with saints. They basically make up a mind that, I'm going to go do this thing, and then I'll tell the pastor, I'll tell the man of God after the fact. Or, yeah. you know, they... Or maybe they'll they'll go to the pastor for counsel, and then basically they're just going to go do their own thing anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know my my pastors talked of a couple times where people have come into his office and they said, you know, you know, oh God said this, and he's like, I can't uh, refute that. You know, I can't give you counsel once you've once you've dropped that bomb, like because you obviously clearly think that it's God that told you. It's obviously not the same God that I'm serving because the God that I'm serving would not tell you to do that. Right. Yeah, you right. know, you're following a different God. I noticed one thing that's also something that seems to be uh, part of Saul's life is that he's not able to take credit for his actions. Time and time again, he, he like defers responsibility. You know, he, he passes the blame mm-hmm. for this kind of stuff. You see that especially in... <coughs> um, in chapter uh, 15, in verses 20 and 21, he says, the people did it. Right. Samuel is rebuking him, and he says, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of, Amalek, of Amalek, which that wasn't, even again, that wasn't even the will of the Lord, so he was wrong there, mm-hmm. um, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and ox, yeah. and the chief of the things that have been utterly that should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord, thy God in Gilgal. Also another thing to note, he always says the Lord, thy God, mm-hmm. the Lord, thy God. He never says the Lord, my God. He says the Lord, thy God when talking with Samuel, meaning that he doesn't claim God as his God. Right. That's sad. Yeah, he does. He does at one point he worships God. And you know, when he, he is ultimately rejected after his mm-hmm. second disobedience, yeah, um, is just blatant disobedience. He's he he has Samuel come with him in front of the people to worship God, so that the people would still respect him. Saul isn't yeah. com- 
extremely like uh very much about the people's image of him right yeah yeah you right. know what i mean but yes. I, there is some there is some context to that kind of proves that some hypocrisy saul, saul may have not uh really served the lord like he should have and that would be yeah. like saul's daughter michael when they when they come in to kill david later on in first samuel michael mm -hmm. the bible says you know she takes down uh in uh I, I, let me see if i remember how the king james says it but she she puts like a, a thing on the bed that is supposed mm -hmm. to look like David, you know, and they come yeah, in with David, she let him down. Yeah. An image, which was in the Hebrew is an idol. Like she had a false idol in her house. I'm talking about the daughter mm -hmm. of Saul had a false idol in her home. And so there is some, some clues that maybe they didn't serve God. You know, they served both Jehovah and mm -hmm. the false gods of this world. So there is some little, little clues as you read uh through the scriptures there that saul wasn't sold out for god and i, hmm. I believe that's why when he was rejected samuel said that god was going to choose a man who was after his or after god's own heart which saul was not i guess i always thought that uh that image was just like you know you just put a bunch of pillows there kind of thing and make it look like yeah, it wasn't it like goat's hair and stuff well, she put goat's hair for his bolster, so it looked like his hair, is what it says. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so uh, 19, verse 13, and Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair. So in this uh, this study Bible that I'm using here, this is the premier study Bible, uh, that word, an image, is uh, household idols in the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So she had a household <laughs> idol that she put there. And so there is some some clues that uh, you know there wasn't a total commitment to the Lord in in uh, Saul's home and lineage. That kind of makes me wonder. Do you think she hid that from David? Yeah, because I'm you sure know, David would not allow that in his house. You know, I definitely mean, like down character. the line though, there's something going on there. David had his leadership issues too, so I don't mm -hmm. know. But I do know later on. Remember, she makes fun of him for worshiping the Lord, and David's yeah, like. Yeah. You know, because you said this, you're not having. Yeah, any she children. obviously wasn't the same page. Yeah, right, David. yeah, yeah. Well, he basically never calls her again. Is what happens. Like he doesn't. They would call their wife, you know, whichever wife they wanted to to lie with that night if they had multiple wives. Like on a cell um, phone. Sure. And so they would. <laughs> so he wouldn't call her again. Basically, at that point, and so. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Joe, do you have your premiere out? Yes, I do. Yeah, if you look at nineteen thirteen or the ten through thirteen, the commentary, it says Michael's love for her husband showed as she valiantly and aggressively worked to assist him in escaping from assassins sent by Saul. However, her possession of this image and household idol belied her spiritual status and may shed light on her later contempt for David's worship before mm -hmm. God. Dropping new bombs. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Edited back into the podcast. I just know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll kind of segue. So part of when David was, when he was running away from Saul, um, as you read through this week, he ends up coming upon uh, the house of Nabal or Nabal, however you want to pronounce his name. And he protected his sheep, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit. Yeah. About what's it. interesting. This is actually right after the death of Samuel and they bury Samuel. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there was a man, the Bible says, who had a lot of sheep and a thousand goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And yeah, so while they were in Carmel, David and his men, they protected this man's flock. They protected his shepherds. And then David sent some of his young men. He said, hey, go up to the house of Nabal and tell him that we'll be there on a good day. I don't know what a good day is, like maybe a good day of travel. But, you know, go up and let them know that we're coming. And when David's young men came, the Bible says they spake to Nabal. I call him Nabal. Everybody else calls him Nabal or Jacob calls him Susie. But <laughs> but, but anyway, they came up to him and they, they, they said, hey, you know, we protected your flocks and just let you know that we're coming. They were coming in peace. And like uh, right. they, you know, they, they told him they wanted to be prosperous. Peace be to you and to your house. But this 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 Nabal had an attitude, and he he said, uh, "Who's David, and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Um, you know, maybe he thought mm -hmm. that, that David was a runaway slave, maybe or something. But so David's men returned to David, and they told him everything that he that he had said, and David was really upset with this guy. But one of the uh, young men, one of Nabal's young men came to Nabal's wife and said, hey, um, you know, told it, told her everything that had happened. Mm -hmm. But but he told her that our master railed on these young men that came and talked to us. Uh, they said, but the men were very good unto us and they and we were not hurt, neither miss we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. This is one of the shepherds that that David and his men protected, and and he yeah. you know, he was telling Nabal's wife that, um, you know, these are good people, but our master railed mm -hmm. on them, and he said, just you know, now it's not going to go good for us because, you know, David's going to be upset probably, um, and he said, now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all of his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. And I right. just, you know, just a little thought, being a man that you cannot speak to, um, you know, he's such a son of Belial. And if, if you look at what a son of Belial is, that's the same thing that, remember, Eli's sons were mm -hmm. um, defiling the temple. They were, if you look at, uh, one of the definitions of Belial is worthless, <laughs> It is worthless, yeah. it's lewd, it is um, um, drunkenness, idolatry, rebellion, lying. But this, he was such a son of Belial. Um, you know, don't be a son of Belial. <laughs> he said, no one can talk to this guy. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, a man can't yeah. talk to him. He's so full of himself, he's so full of pride uh, that a man cannot speak to him. Don't be a son of Belial. That's good you, you point that out because it's so important that, that we are approachable right. and that we, I like how it describes his wife, Abigail. She was a woman of understanding. Right. So mm. there was kind of a big contrast. I won't listen to anything you say. And then Abigail's like very understanding. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to talk to somebody, be understandable. Right. Be, yeah. be understanding. Which is probably why the yeah. servant approached her, do you think? Because he's like, I can actually talk to, like, Abigail will actually listen. And this was a serious matter. It wasn't like, you know, there was no, 
there was consequences to what was going to happen here. Yeah. But you see the end of that. Abigail came out. She went out with a peace offering, and she met David and his men. And David said, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, he was very pleased with her. He said, we're not going to kill Nabal. But, but Nabal ended up dying anyhow. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys yeah. think the Bible, uh, what that means when he, um, he had a party, the Bible says, and he became very drunk. So Abigail didn't tell him that she had went out and met David and his men. She, she waited till the morning. But when mm-hmm. uh, the Bible says that his, when she told him, his heart died within him and he became as a stone. What does that mean? Like a vegetable? I'd almost say like he had a stroke. Probably. That's what I thought when I Yeah, I wonder that. if that's what it was. Yeah. Like, and it was, and it came to pass, 10 days later that the Lord smote Nabal. You know, so David didn't even kill, didn't even have to kill Nabal. God did it. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, say he no. didn't have, that sounds bad, but. <laughs> well, well, no, like, like, that's one thing that, you know, that's something that I was actually also thinking about this week too, is that, you know, we have to understand that vengeance is mine. Say right. Lord. Yeah. I will repay. Right. And so, like, you know, when we try to take our own vengeance in our own hand, it stains right. us, right? Like, if you go out and you kill a man, you're not the same after, you, after you've done the deed. No matter what, you are not the same after you've done that. And especially if you do it out of revenge. Right. But to just say, okay, God, however you see fit to deal with this, you know, it, I might want to see them dead, but maybe God has something else in store for them you know the only he knows he will be the one that repays you know we are we are his servants that person is technically god's servant you know he's a rebellious servant sure but he's still god's i don't want to use the word but god's property god owns everything who owns all of us if you go against his will that's between you and god you know we need to leave it into the hands of god right Jacob, I'll agree with you, David, um, in the, in the James chapter one, verse 19, it says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So David, mm-hmm. if he would have killed this guy, it's not, that would not have been of God. That would have been not God's yeah. plan for David. No. And also yeah. you see where David he, he respects the anointed of God in King Saul throughout First Samuel. Doesn't kill him. He has the opportunity twice to kill him. Right. And he mm-hmm. doesn't kill him. Why? Because the wrath of man and touching the anointed of God does not work the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. It was just better. What God ordained through Abigail. David even says that. You know, he kind of, he said uh, in verse 32 in, in 25, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can keep reading, and he, he just lays it out just like you were talking about, uh, right. Jacob. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, now, with, yeah. uh, you know, don't nobody get the idea of. Uh, uh, like, I'm going to pray, and, you know, it's the will of God that I kill somebody. I can tell you it's not the will of God that you kill anybody. I just wanted to point out that the Bible records that Nabal, or Nabal, was from the house of Caleb, which was from the house of Judah. And some scholars believe that this incident, when he took on Abigail as his wife, helped him later on in being the king of Judah. 
it, it kind of set them up to be more involved in the house. Of- <laughs> Do you guys think God is sovereign? You know, it almost seems like he is. Oh, yeah, I know he's so. sovereign. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like he has a will that he kind of works, yep. you know. Yeah, that. does whatever he wants. Yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Seth. It's almost like he's God. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what can I do for you? What do you got to say about a word versus the word in First Samuel chapter 28, verse 15? Right. So I believe uh, kind of it's, it's kind of been one of the themes throughout the first part of this podcast that we've been talking about um, is, you know, especially with Saul, it's just kind of a theme through the whole book. But in First Samuel uh, 28, verse 15, Saul, he has disobeyed God. He's still observed by Israel as king, but even though there's another king anointed, Saul is is uh, put down as king. Even you know he's recognized as king, even though David's rightfully king. Mm-hmm. Saul here has turned his back on God, and because of that, God has turned his back on him. Right? You know, <laughs> and Saul here he is about to face the Philistines, Philistines, whatever Philistines, and he is. Uh, you know, he, he needs a word from God, right? That's what he believes. He needs a word from God, like this, mm-hmm. quote, supernatural, unquote, word from God. You know, what he does is he goes and he goes to the witch of Endor. And he has her conjure up Samuel from the dead because he needs a word from God because God is not speaking to him. And uh, and if you read in verse 15, Samuel does come up. God allows Samuel to come up to speak to Saul, the spirit of Samuel to come up, speak to Saul. Verse 15, and Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. And so Saul's like, you know, God's not speaking to me. Uh, by uh, uh, by the prophets, he's not speaking to me by dreams, and I'm like, I just want to sit back and say, yo, what happened to Deuteronomy 17, mm-hmm. where the king had to write down the word of God, yeah, where the king had to remember the word of God, mm-hmm. you know, that was set yeah. up in the law. So what? What like Saul's like? I need a word. Like, no, you need to read the word, Saul. Yeah. That's what you need to do. And that is kind of what we've been talking about. People get this idea in their life, like, oh, I need a word from God. Like there's this great preacher coming through and they're fighting a situation in their life or or maybe they just they just need something extra, you know, from God. And I'm not making fun of that because God does speak supernaturally and he'll speak in the situations. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the 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 will of God right now, you know the way of God because yeah. of his word. You know, my pastor tells a story, and I hope it's okay to tell it on here. Joe, you know it. But there was a lady who had divorced her husband. It wasn't in the church. She had come to church, I guess, for a while, but she quit coming to church. And she had divorced her husband, ran off with some other guy, was living in some other town. You know, and he, like, calls her. My pastor called her. He's like, hey, what's, you know, what's going on with this? And she's like, well, one day we'll see what God is doing through all of this. And my pastor was like, you're blaming God for this? Don't blame God for this. This is not mm-hmm. of God for you to leave your husband. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's not that's not what the Bible says. And so Saul, same, yeah. same concept. I need a word. I was looking for a prophet. Like, Saul, you know what to do. You know how to live for God because of the word of God. You're just not listening to the word of God. Just obey the word right. of God. 
And I know yeah. in those days, prophets did speak and prophets did tell certain things that weren't necessarily in the scripture, like in the first uh, battle or with the uh, Amalekite, excuse me, you know, Samuel said, kill everyone. You know, the Lord mm -hmm. said to kill everyone. The Bible didn't say to kill everyone. Well, it, it does when they, you know, when they are coming into the promised land or whatever, they're going to eliminate all their enemies and all this. But to serve God, Saul knew what to do. Yeah. And he wasn't doing it. And so he yeah. like has to conjure up Samuel to get a word from the Lord. Like Saul, you could mm. just went and read the Bible. But what's interesting yeah. about that is because what, when Samuel was still alive too, and, and I do understand too, you know, that this was a totally different time. And the Bible does say that in Hebrews chapter one, that God uh, who at sundry times and diverse manners spoke to people, uh, you know, yeah. has in these last days spoken to us by his son. But what's interesting about that is when Samuel disobeyed, or Saul, excuse me, Saul, when Saul disobeyed God in when he didn't kill all the Amalekites, um, the Bible says that Samuel from that day didn't come see Saul anymore till the day of his death. But after mm -hmm. he was dead, Saul conjures up Samuel, which is First Samuel chapter 15, verse 35 is a very sad scripture because this was the voice of God in Saul's life because he did not have a relationship with God, but this was right. the voice of God yeah. in, in Saul's life. But the Bible says that God at that point stopped dealing with them. Like he, he, he completely stopped dealing with them. And what's sad is there, you know, there it's possible to get to a point in our life where God stops dealing with us. Uh, we don't hear the voice of God anymore. Um, yeah, I think that just goes to show that how important it is to have a voice or a man of God in your life. Yeah. Um, to actually have a pastor is so crucial, so important. There's people today that they might have a pastor and they call them their pastor, but at the same time, they're getting all these different messages from all over the world, the globe, you know, whatever, whether it's... Mm -hmm. YouTube, you know, whatever, yeah. Yeah. YouTube, yeah. you know, some people rely on, uh, you know, whatever, Holy Ghost Radio, Truth Radio, you know, to get their word when really God has designated a man of God for your life to yeah. give you a word. But he's given you the word, but you just don't want to listen. You don't want to obey. Yeah, it's a huge problem in our world today. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've we've run into those people at. uh at camp one time there was a gentleman there who's uh, he's passed away now and he was just a little bit a little bit different you know of an individual <laughs> and and he came to the guest preacher one night and it was a uh, brother oc marler our pastor tells that story joe hmm. and uh, this guy comes up to him and he's like oh what was it i need a, i need a word you know you got a word for me and, or something to that effect and he's like brother oc marler just looks right at him and said uh that's scary you know like you know basically like like he knew this guy was just trying to get some supernatural something. And he's like, you just need to, obey. basically, you just need to obey the word of God. Right. Is my mm -hmm. understanding how that story yeah. goes. And, and and it's like, you don't need something extra. Right. Yeah. Just just follow the right. word. Just do what the word says. One thing that I kind of want to point out, we, you and I kind of talked about this last night, Seth, when you called. But in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 28. It says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. 
And it, it made me wonder, and I have a note actually in my Bible. So Urim and Thummim, or Thummim, or however you want to pronounce those two, um, were two stones that were in the, the breastplate of the high priest's robe. And they were pulled out. They were used. It was like the only thing that God allowed that was what, you know, what we might call divination. Basically, you would ask God a question. The high priest would reach into his ephod and pull out one of these stones. They were the exact same, maybe a different color or a different word written on them or something. But he would reach in and pull out one of these stones. And it, to my understanding, one of them was yes and one of them was no. But it made me wonder, was Urim, was Urim considered yes or no? And so my thought is, now this is, take this for what it is, this is Gilbert theology, as my pastor would say, if Urim was the word for yes, if that was the stone for yes, Saul wanted to do something so bad, but God kept telling him no, kept pulling the thummim out of the breastplate, kept telling him no, kept no, no, no. And so Saul went so far as to go out into the world to get his yes. Yeah. To the grave, brother. He went to the witch of Endor to get a yes mm. when God was specifically telling him no. The, again, I might be reading into this, but I feel like I'm not. Yeah, well, feelings are deceptive, so it doesn't really matter what you feel, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's good. <laughs> with that, we're going to go to an ad break, though, and we will be right back with some more great Bible content. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Scripture Unleashed. For the second half of this podcast, we'd like to devote to David, since he is kind of a, a key figure in Scripture. Um, Anthony, could you start us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of. Anthony, could you start us off talking about David's progression? Yeah, we we first hear of David. He is anointed the next king of Israel. He's actually just the youngest of his brothers. Um, and he really wasn't much to look at. He was kind of the the, the shepherd of the family. They just kept <laughs> him back, and they said, "You, you older siblings, you can go off to war, be great soldiers." David, here's some sheep you can watch. But yeah, he starts off as a as a shepherd, and then we see that there's this natural progression, especially after he's anointed king. It's almost like God is ordering his steps, and I know. Yeah, I know. It's almost like God's <laughs> sovereign. It's just weird. You know? <laughs> it's almost like God had a plan for David. Yeah, um, huh. So, yeah, but Dave, David starts off as a shepherd, and then, of course, he's, he becomes one of Saul's servant in the form of he's a musician. He would play, you know, whatever string instrument. The evil spirit would depart from Saul, which was phenomenal, which was awesome. So he started forming some kind of uh, relationship with Saul. Uh, to the degree that the Bible says Saul liked him, actually. He started off liking him, and he mm. became his armor bearer. That became, later on, he put him in charge of a thousand soldiers. He became a warrior. He became a soldier in the army of Israel. Naturally, he was around the palace. He was around uh, Saul's family. He became Jonathan's best friend. And then also, the, well, the Bible talks about, he, he later on, he says he would, kind of after his taste for David grew off, he said he would give Michael, his daughter, as a snare for David. And right. I, think that's, I think that's kind of misinterpreted sometimes. Uh, it, almost like Michael is this terrible person, and he's going to, like, well, that'll get David. Ha-ha! <laughs> when, when really, 
Michael loved David so much and Saul knew it that he Saul King Saul basically dangled Michael to David to try to get him to be killed. Right. And said, Well, David will think- never David will never get this one. And so then he's like, Hey, David, I got a job for you. You uh mm-hmm. you know my daughter, Michael? Yeah, she she wants to be your wife, but here's what I need from you. And so he kind of dangles off this kind of outrageous, you know, get get the foreskins of, you know, 100 Philistines or whatever the story goes mm-hmm. exactly. But uh but he does it. He does it because he was like, yeah, king's son-in-law. He gets 200. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he goes Amen. above and beyond. I don't know why you would want to deal with that, but whatever. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you know. I guess. Hey, I guess, apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, we see this natural progression of he, he's just a shepherd. He's just nobody. He's the son of Jesse. And all of a sudden, he, he's slowly rising through the ranks. He, he's known in the palaces. The Bible records that the people love David. He went out and he went out before them. He came in, he went out. People just knew about David. They, they had known him from a young age. They had mm-hmm. saw maybe the potential of what he could be. Honestly, he, he becomes you know, the king's son-in-law before, of course, he becomes a fugitive and, and a man on the run. Um, of course, we know he was anointed king, and that would happen, but not in the book that we read today, not in our bread reading for today. He's not king yet, and we just see him go from cave to cave. And, and yeah, it, sometimes in our walk with God, there is progression, mm-hmm. and then other times we are in that valley. We are in those caves, and there's going to be seasons of darkness maybe before uh, we become everything that we're supposed to be in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that really looking at the life of David, that kind of goes with what how we just kind of ended last segment. How you know, always wanting you know wanting a yes, but God keeps telling you no. You know, sometimes the no, whether you realize it or not, is what leads you closer into God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just take the no for what it is and say, okay, what do you want, Lord? You know, leads you on down. Right. You know, David's attitude and his character was just totally different than Saul's was and and Mm -hmm. actually that's what um, that's what God had told Saul through Samuel that he's gonna that 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 the kingdom uh, that the kingdom has been taken from you and it's going to be given to a man better than you and I wonder if Saul ever asked David like you you think you're better than me (laughs) Um, Mm. (laughs) but he was but he was. But what's interesting yeah. about yeah. what's interesting about David is, you know, as a kid, Sunday school stories, right? David is kind of depicted as a little a weak um, shepherd boy that went that went and killed Goliath. Goliath was a giant mm. of a man, and he was yeah, he was I mean literally a giant. But so yeah. it, compared to. Goliath, David was small, and he was young. You know when uh, when Samuel came to Jesse's house to to get a new to anoint a new king. He said it's going to be one of Jesse's sons. Um, you know when the first one came, when the first son, when when Samuel saw the first son, he's like, it's got to be him. Like, look at this guy. He is, you know, he's he's big. Look at his stature. It's not him. 
the God, God told Samuel, it's not him, it's not Eliab. Um, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And sometimes people use that to say, like, um, like it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter. Well, God sees your how you dress. Yeah, yeah God yeah. sees your heart, but people still see your outside, and God sees your outside mm -hmm. too. But anyway, David was. I don't think David was at all a weakling. And I say I think he wasn't. I know he wasn't because. The Bible never says that when Samuel saw David, he didn't think David would be qualified. It just says that when he saw the first son, he was like, he's got to be qualified. But that doesn't mean that David was a weak little boy. And I don't believe that he was mm -hmm. because at that point, uh, Samuel anoints when David comes from running in from where he was herding his sheep. Uh, mm -hmm. Samuel anoints him to be the king. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon David but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and there was an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. We talked, we, we discussed a little bit uh, off podcast, what, what that could be an evil spirit from the Lord. And we're not exactly sure what, mm -hmm. what that is. One of, Saul, one of Saul's servants said, we know of someone that's a really good musician uh, who is a cunning player on a harp. And he, they said he is a, let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, he's, a, he's cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, and a man of war and prudent in manners. That describes who David mm -hmm. was. Yeah. You know, like yeah. David was not just some um, sniffling shepherd boy that was on the backside of nowhere. Like David was a man of war. He had killed a lion grabbed him yeah. by his beard, killed him <laughs> barehanded. Yeah. You know, he, he kind of gave Saul his credentials later when he wanted to go up against Goliath. But David, David was a beast. David was, you know, he, he really was, uh, and his character, yeah. his attitude. It started with his character. Yeah, yeah David, yeah. he was yeah. a good man. I was just going to say, did he kill the bear barehanded? Yeah, get it? <laughs> Kill it with a bear yeah. bow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's very right. You know, I'll say one thing real quick, just to kind of love slamming millennials and, and generation. What are we now? Z, the latest Z. generation, Generation Z. Z. They, uh, it's the end. Seventeen-year-old who killed Goliath. That seventeen-year-old versus most seventeen-year-olds today mm -hmm. is a world apart. Yeah. Okay. Like, like at seventeen, you're yeah. a man. Then mm -hmm. seventeen now, you're still eating goldfish crackers and living in your mom's basement. Okay, seventeen, like no, thirty-five, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, except you're for, if you're from North Dakota, then you're a man, right? By the time you're twelve, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we grow them. We grow them a little stronger. You should get married around fourteen, you guys. Yeah, oh. and if you're a late bloomer, it's sixteen. But uh, <laughs> No, I'm just saying, I mean, these, these, he was a man. He was not some weak, you know, like you see the Bible pictures. He's like this little boy, you know, and he's like swinging his little sling around. He's, you know, he was a man. Mm -hmm. And not only was he a man in action, but as Anthony pointed out, he was a man in character. Yeah. Yes. Who, who loved God. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's incredibly admirable. I mean, you know, we'll read about it coming up in the next few weeks. David had his flaws. Mm-hmm. But the only thing about David is that he was humble enough to repent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Humble yes. enough and wise enough to know how to serve God. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
one thing that I kind of wanted to point out, and it's more of like the timeline, I guess, of everything. Chapter 16 and 17 of this week's reading, we see, you know, the this evil spirit comes upon Saul. Saul sends for David to come and to play for him. Now, my question is, is and this is after David has been anointed king uh, by Samuel, how old is Samuel at this time, right? Joe, you just mentioned that how they describe him. Uh, they say that, you know, who is a cunning player on the harp. So, you know, it says, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehem height, that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person. So we, uh, we understand that, or it is, it is understood that David kills Goliath when he is 17 years old. But before this time, David was with Saul in chapter 16. He was with Saul. He was playing the harp, trying to soothe him. Saul liked him so much that he made him his armor bearer for a time. So in chapter chapter 17, verse 14, it talks about that David was the youngest and the three eldest followed Saul. So the three eldest brothers went to war with Saul against the Philistines. This is later. Uh, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David left Saul. We don't know at what age it was that he left Saul. But something must have happened in the time that he left Saul to the time that he returns back to the army to fight Goliath, to kill Goliath, in that at the very end of the chapter, Saul does not recognize David. Right. Something changes in David so much that at the very end of, um, in verse 58, he says, And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. God pulled him. He was so close to the to the throne. I mean, he was there. God pulls him away, brings him back to his roots, back to his being a shepherd again. Yep. And changes his character, his stature, whatever it is, so much that the person that he was around all the time as his armor bearer didn't even recognize him anymore. What's interesting about that, because David was like, I'm going to go take this guy on. Mm -hmm. And Saul told him, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And that's in chapter 17, verse 34, or 33. But, mm -hmm. And then that's when David tells Saul, look, you know, I killed a bear, <laughs> you know, I, uh, and a lion. Mm -hmm. And David and Saul actually started... Um, putting like armory on, you know, he started, uh, yeah. you know, dressing David up to go out and fight this man. So that's very interesting. Why didn't he, he did not recognize him because the Bible says he's like, who is this guy? Like he did yeah. not recognize him. But what's interesting is, you know, we talked about David not being um, a weakling. It was God that through David, he used David to kill Goliath. David was, he used David with what David was accustomed to, I guess, which was his sling. Because if you see, yeah. you know, his sling and stones. Because if you see when Saul started dressing David up with a helmet of brass, uh, a coat of mail, whatever that is, and give him a sword. Um, but David was like, no, I'm not used to this. Just give me my slingshot. Give me some stones. Yeah. And that's how he went out and fought Goliath. Well, one thing that's really 
interesting. It is um, if you ever read the book David and Goliath by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, um, he goes through and he talks about. Uh, he he basically he agrees with us that you know David wasn't some weakling, but he would have trained with that sling, slingshot slingshot ters slingshotters. I don't know what they'd be called. These archery people, they were so accurate with their craft that they could hit a bird out of the air while it was flying. They could hit a hair's breadth. I believe at one point it talks about the Bethlehemites being able to hit within a hair's breadth. You know, that's, I yeah. mean, that's tiny. But also he talks about in that book that, that uh, a slingshot like that would have had the same stopping power as a forty-five caliber handgun. So when David, see, David doesn't kill Goliath when he chops off his head. It kills him when it hits him in the forehead. It mm -hmm. sinks into his skull, it says, and he dies. He falls over dead. Yes, it does, Seth. I see you shaking your head. It does. Read it. Read no, it doesn't. It. I did. I'm going to because it doesn't it does. say that. And smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheep thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. I think that's the whole point, though, that it was... It, they, the people around Goliath, they didn't know if he was dead yeah. or not. The, the, he was definitely slewed, he but was it down. took that, that, he was that act of <laughs> taking off his head and, and waving his head around yeah. and showing but, that, hey, this guy's dead, and that's when everybody knew it, and that's when What's they really gross is that David goes and he chases after the Philistines, and he still has the head of Goliath, because when he comes back to to Saul at the end of the chapter, he is still holding on to the head of Gives Goliath. <laughs> hey. <laughs> a little longer than a few minutes later. This is what it says. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, or because of this, David ran, stood upon the Philistine, and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath, therefore, and slew him and cut off his head therewith. But he already slewed him. Slayed him. But it said it slew him. It said it slew yeah, him. Yeah, but he already did yeah, with I the don't, stone. I'm not no. quite sure if it says it either way when he died. It was just when his head was off. That's well, for yeah, sure. Well, yeah, for they sure. Knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> they were positive. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, real. <laughs> Could be read uh, both ways. Either way, without the sling, he wouldn't have died, and without the sword, maybe right. we wouldn't know for sure if he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like that. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, yeah, are we gonna wrap it up? How do I wrap this up now? There's a lot more that we could be talking about the life of David, but Anthony is gonna wrap up this podcast with Psalms. Where did you say it was, Anthony? In Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Can I get a witness? Amen. No, that's absolutely true. That's very good. I believe that. If you want God to direct your steps, be a good man. All right. With that, we're going to end this podcast. It's been fun. We had a lot of good discussion amongst us four. Uh, too bad you, the listener, couldn't join in. Did we not cover something that... <laughs> that jumped out to you let us know we'd like to hear you know something about the life of david or or saul that sticks out to you 
you can reach out to us or if you even just have a word of encouragement or any advice, you can reach out to us uh, with a voice message through anchor.fm. And of course, the name of our podcast is Scripture Unleashed. You can go to our Facebook page, Scripture Unleashed, as well and uh, reach out to us that way. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did. We look forward to having you with us next week as we go through Second Samuel chapter 1 uh, through chapter 21 and Psalms chapter 58 through 61. God bless. God bless. God bless. Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.